Lola looked into the eyes of her all-male colleagues, and her mind went completely blank. There were no words, no ideas, no thoughts. There was nothing. Just a blank. Her heart raced, her legs trembled, and the walls of the room started to close in on her. She looked across at JJ, who was patiently waiting for her to start her speech. In the middle of the audience, she noticed an immaculately dressed man. His hair was gelled back and his sleeves were rolled up. He was staring at her with a smile on his face. Was he encouraging her? Or was he enjoying her suffering? Either way, it jolted her out of the inertia. She focused her attention on her breath, cleared her head of all the negative energy and moved forwards. Thank you very much for such a warm welcome. I'm so happy to be part of this team. I'm really looking forward to working with you to make the digital world a safer place. It wasn't a great speech, short and bland, but it was good enough to save Lola from a public meltdown, and for that, she was thankful. Welcome back to the adventures of Lola Badiola. Now we know what happened to Lola after her mind went blank. She breathed slowly, calmed herself down, then she stepped forward and delivered a very short speech. Well done, Lola! Now let's find out what happened next. The Adventures of Lola Badiola Chapter 10 The Coffee Lola stood alone in the women's bathroom, looking at herself in the mirror. It had been almost three years since her last panic attack. Her therapy and yoga sessions had helped control these self-destructive tendencies. Ever since she was a teenager, she had fought an ongoing battle with the little demons inside her head. She knew the triggers alcohol, caffeine, lack of sleep, stress, and she avoided them as much as she could. She took some cold water in her hands and splashed it over her cheeks. She was determined to keep her condition a secret from her new colleagues. Mental strength was considered essential in her line of business. She didn't want to be stigmatized. Waiting for her outside the bathroom was Cayetano Tolosa. Hey, nice speech. Thanks. Do you have time for a coffee? Lola's father had once warned her to be suspicious of the first person who wanted to be your friend when you started a new job, moved to a new neighborhood, or joined a new team. He believed that they always had a hidden agenda. Sure. She knew she would be working very closely with Cayetano. It was, therefore, a good idea to find out his strengths and weaknesses as soon as possible. He had never worked in the cybersecurity sector, and she had never worked in a startup environment. So they had something in common. They were both fish out of water. I know the best place for pinchos around here, he said. Great. Lola followed Cayetano out of the office and down onto Gran Via. It was a relatively quiet morning, 
only a few tourists for the pickpockets to target. Lola held her handbag close to her body as they headed onto one of the quieter side streets. Cayetano was a little taller than her, but this was only because of the six-centimetre heels of his Balenciaga boots. He clearly spent a lot of money on his appearance. He wore skin-tight Armani jeans, a shiny white shirt by Karl Lagerfeld, and a Burberry winter jacket. He was either living beyond his means, or he was independently wealthy. "'Coffee with milk,' said Cayetano to the old man behind the bar at the café. "'Fresh orange juice, please.' Smoke? No. Do you mind if we sit outside so I can have a cigarette? Sure. They took their drinks and sat at a small round table next to the entrance of the cafe. Cayetano lit his cigarette and looked coolly into the distance. So, what brought you to J-Block? Lola asked. Cayetano took a sip of his coffee, a drag of his cigarette, and then smiled. The money! It was an ironic comment. The salary and benefits at J-Block were lower than more established companies. It was true that all the employees had an equity stake in the company, but at that point it was valueless. Cayetano continued. My cousin introduced me to J.J. I knew I had to work at J-Block. The guy's a visionary. Did you have a job interview? Of course, replied Cayetano. I prepared like a maniac, read everything, anticipated the questions. Then I practiced my answers in English out loud. What kind of questions did he ask you? Cayetano crushed his cigarette into the ashtray and looked Lola straight in the eye. You think I'm only here because of my connections, don't you? The expression on Cayetano's face changed. The peacock strutting down Gran Via was suddenly just a sad and vulnerable duckling. Lola couldn't help sympathising with him. She knew what it was like to be an outsider. She leaned forward. Hey, if JJ offered you the job, then you deserve the job. As you said, the guy's a visionary. Thanks, Lola. Cayetano reached forward and gently held her arm. It was an unexpected gesture and Lola wasn't sure how to respond. That's a beautiful watch, he said. They both looked down at the large watch on Lola's thin wrist. It was my father's. It's a Patek Philippe in white gold. Cayetano completed her sentence. Your father was a very stylish man. He released her arm. It's a pity that it doesn't have the original strap. Once again, Lola was unsure how to respond. She had inherited the watch and replaced the crocodile skin strap with a synthetic alternative that looked almost identical. Nobody had ever noticed before. Shall we head back to the office? he said. I need to follow up a few sales leads. Without waiting for an answer, he walked over to the bar and paid for the drinks. Lola couldn't help noticing the contours of his muscular body as it stretched the fabric of his tight-fitting designer clothes. What do you think is going through Lola's mind at the end of this chapter? How does she feel about Cayetano Tolosa? And how does he feel about her? 
it's going to be interesting to see how their professional relationship develops. But right now, let's go back to the beginning of the chapter. Lola is in the bathroom having the following thoughts. Mental strength was considered essential in her line of business. She didn't want to be stigmatized. Let's talk about mental health at work and the words associated with it. Meltdown. Panic attack. Nervous breakdown. These are similar ways of expressing the same thing. The inability to control ourselves in a situation of stress or discomfort. A panic attack tends to be a severe but brief experience. A sudden period of anxiety in which your heart beats fast, you have trouble breathing, and you feel as if something very bad is going to happen. A nervous breakdown, or more informally, a meltdown, is more long-term and probably follows a gradual period of deterioration. It is considered to be a form of mental illness, usually without any physical cause. People who suffer from mental illnesses, such as panic attacks and nervous breakdowns, are often stigmatized. So what is a stigma? Well, this is a strong feeling of disapproval. So if something is stigmatized, it is considered to be a mark of disgrace in modern society. And often people don't talk about their mental illnesses in the way that they talk about their physical illnesses because of this stigma. So let me tell you a true story about mental illness. It is the story of Antonio Horta Osorio. Antonio was a charming, handsome, and quite brilliant banker. At the age of 34, he became the head of Banco Santander's Portuguese operation and a member of the management committee of Banco Santander. Many people believed that he could eventually be the CEO of the whole bank. But there was one thing that stood in his way, and her name was Anna Botin, the daughter of the man who created the bank. And so, when Antonio was offered the position of CEO at Lloyds Bank, one of the UK's oldest and most prestigious financial institutions, he took it. The year was 2011, the height of the financial crisis. In the first eight months as CEO, he worked intensely and tirelessly to help rescue Lloyds from a very difficult financial situation. The company's shareholders, employees, and even the British government had confidence that he could rescue the bank. And then, one day, without any warning, Antonio Orto Osorio didn't come to the office. He just disappeared. Nobody knew where he was or what he was doing. One day passed and then the next and the next and still no sign of the CEO. And then the bank announced 
that he had checked into a mental health clinic for two months of medical leave. You see, he hadn't slept for five days straight due to the stress of his job, and he had become deeply depressed, and eventually he suffered a nervous breakdown. The financial community was in shock. This surely meant the early end to a brilliant career. After all, mental illness was stigmatized, particularly in the macho world of international finance. But the financial community underestimated Antonio Orta Osorio. After two months' recuperation, and with the ongoing help of a psychiatrist, he returned to the leadership role at Lloyd's. And over the next few years, he saved the company from bankruptcy, and he returned it to profitability. He also became a high-profile campaigner for mental health awareness, speaking openly and honestly about his own experiences. He introduced mental health programs at Lloyd's, which acted as a model for other banks and other companies to do the same thing. He became a driving force behind the change in attitudes towards mental illness. And in 2020, after he assumed dual nationality, he was knighted by the Queen of England, Sir Antonio Orta Osorio. The highest honour that can be given to a British citizen. He had turned the most negative thing in his life into the most positive. Unfortunately, there is still a long way to go before the stigma of mental illness is completely removed from the business world and actually the world in general. And that is why, in this particular chapter, Lola is eager to hide her past from her new colleagues. Okay, now let's move on. Let's discuss some common expressions. We have three of them today, and here is the first one. Lola's father had once warned her to be suspicious of the first person who wanted to be your friend when you started a new job, moved to a new neighborhood, or joined a new team. He believed that they always had a hidden agenda. What is a hidden agenda? Well, this is a situation where someone secretly tries to achieve a particular goal while they appear to be doing something else. Do you agree with Lola's father's point of view? Be careful with people who want to be your best friend when you move into a new situation because he believes that they often have a hidden agenda. When Marina and I bought our first house in southwest London back in 2004, we were really excited to start our new life in our new community. And the day we moved in, there was a knock at the door. And it was a smiling woman, one of our neighbours. And she had brought us a little welcoming gift. And we were thrilled. So we invited her in for a cup of coffee and we sat down and we had a nice long chat and she asked us a lot of questions about ourselves. 
Little did we know at the time that she was the local gossip. And everything we said to her was then repeated to all of our new neighbours. She had a hidden agenda. It appeared like she wanted to welcome us to the community. When in fact, she just wanted to satisfy her own curiosity. Now in our story, Lola suspects that Cayetano Tolosa may have a hidden agenda when he invites her out for a cup of coffee. Do you agree? Okay, here's another common expression. Listen to this one. He had never worked in the cybersecurity sector, and she had never worked in a startup environment. So they had something in common. They were both fish out of water. If you feel like a fish out of water, you do not feel comfortable or relaxed because you are in an unusual or unfamiliar situation. Do you feel like a fish out of water when you have to speak English in front of a group of international people? Well, let me tell you something. You shouldn't. If you are a non-native speaker and you can understand this podcast, then you can handle any situation in English. And here's the thing. 80% of the people who you do business with in English are non-native speakers, just like you. It's the native speakers that are the problem. They should feel like the fish out of water, not you. Okay, here's our third and final expression. He was either living beyond his means or he was independently wealthy. To live beyond your means, it simply means to spend more money than you can afford. You are living a lifestyle that is excessive and unsustainable. You are living beyond your means. Now, Cayetano is dressed in designer clothing from head to toe. He's got Balenciaga, he's got Hermes, he's got Karl Lagerfeld. Do you think he's living beyond his means? Okay, the last thing we are going to discuss today is irony. Listen to this again. So, what brought you to J-Block? Lola asked. Cayetano took a sip of his coffee, a drag of his cigarette, and then smiled. The money. It was an ironic comment. What is irony? How do you define it? It's quite a difficult concept to put into words. Well, there is verbal irony, which is what is being used here. And this is when you say the opposite of what you mean in order to emphasize what you mean. It's easier to see in an example. So when it's raining, you say to your friend, lovely weather. When you get fired from your job, you say, wonderful. And when a presentation you're watching is really boring, you turn to your colleague and you say, fascinating presentation. That is irony saying the opposite of what you mean to emphasize what you mean. So why do you do this? Why do you say the opposite of what you mean? 
Well, it's a very powerful way of connecting with your listener. You are speaking in code, and they understand that code. And that means that you're part of the same tribe. It brings you closer together. And that is what Cayetano is doing in this chapter. By making this ironic comment, he's connecting with Lola. He is implying that they are both from the same tribe. Now, understanding and correctly applying irony is beyond C2-level English. It is super advanced. And it's something they don't teach you at language schools. But it's something you need to discover and learn for yourself by reading books, watching TV programs, and going for drinks with your international friends. And with that happy thought in mind, we come to the end of today's class. Remember, if you want to improve your English on a more formal basis, you can sign up for our online business English platform, Club Grattan. It's live, interactive. It's fun classes with me and Marina and a bunch of other smart professional people just like you. And we do go beyond the normal language classes and include elements of cross-cultural communication. For example, when and how do you use irony? So search Club Grattan in Google and you'll find us. And of course, we hope you can join us for the next episode of our podcast. Until then, keep practicing and remember, beware of people with a hidden agenda. <laughs>